Before we start today's episode, I wish to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. I pay my deepest respect to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. I acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region, and consider myself incredibly lucky to live, work, and raise a family on Ghana land. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Truth About Aging podcast. If you're new around here, my name is Kate. I am the host and founder of this podcast. I am what I like to call a social gerontologist. So my background is in social science with a master of gerontology. And essentially, I help people navigate the aged care system, uh, whether that's helping them access services in their home, finding suitable living options, uh, providing advice around what services might be suitable for them. And then later on in those stages, looking at alternative care arrangements, whether that's getting a little bit of extra support at home, moving into maybe a different accommodation that can provide greater support, or eventually down the end of the line, looking at residential aged care facilities as well. So the topic for October is what I like to call home is where the heart is. And I guess what I mean by that is the house that we live in, we often create a home. It becomes a place that we know our community, we have connections with our neighbors, we maybe raised a family there or had a loved one that used to live there with us. Houses become so much more and create a lot of meaning and become a home to us. And what I like to work through with clients sometimes is, are we able to redefine that home and create home in a different location that might be able to keep you out of residential aged care for longer? Because for most aging Australians, they don't want to end up in a nursing home. If you do, absolutely fine. I've also worked with clients that say, nah, I want the support of that. I want to know there's a nurse on call 24-7. I want the security of knowing there's people around me all the time. In which case, amazing. There is nothing wrong with residential aged care. And I am a huge advocate for saying there is a time and place for it. And there are some wonderful facilities out there that can meet your needs. I don't want this at all to sound like we're demonizing care facilities. However, most people want to remain out of them for as long as possible. So this whole kind of theme for the month is looking at what those different options are and when it might be time to consider those. So in the last fortnight's episode, if you didn't tune in, episode 68 was more about some of those signs that you might be ready to move, how to have conversations about that, and when that maybe ideal window is to have a look at transitioning to a different kind of accommodation. In today's episode, we're going to look at what those accommodation types are. So to start with, before I jump into those, I really want to preface this by saying I think it's really important to seek some independent financial advice. I'll be the first to put my hand up and say I am not a financial advisor at all. If clients come to me with questions about what's this going to cost me, should I sell my family home, is it better to sell my assets here to pay less there, 
I never answer any of those questions. That is not within my scope of practice. Independent financial advice is really important for you to make the decisions that you need to surrounding your care and accommodation. Now, there is a free service available through Services Australia. So if finances is maybe an issue, Services Australia provide a free service. They have what they call aged care specialist offices uh, and a financial information service. So if you call the main Services Australia line, which is 1-800-227-475, and they normally have a little voice prompt where you say financial information service, you can ask to speak with one of their aged care specialist offices. Now, This is a wonderful free resource that's available for people. Personally, if I didn't have the funding to uh, pay for a financial advisor, I would go down this path. If I had the funds available, I would probably be seeking independent financial advice from a financial advisor that specializes in aged care. Now, not all financial advisors or financial planners are literate in aged care uh, and what that means in terms of the different funding arrangements, in terms of the different income tested fees. Sometimes people will have their general financial advisor and then they'll have an aged care one on the side where they'll speak to them more specifically about the ins and outs of the cost of their care. So there's a number of people available. I have recently found a wonderful resource called the SALT directory, S-A-L-T. If you Google them online, they have a full directory there of people who specialize in aged care services. Now, there is a whole section on there for financial advisors, but they also have gardeners. They have people that help you move house. They have independent nursing services. There is a whole resource of people available on there. They also have people, soon to be, like me, (laughs) that provide, um, I guess, aged care advice and help people navigate that system. So, Definitely a resource worth looking at if you're looking for people that can provide financial advice in your area. So that's the first piece. And I guess that also just leads to, I'm not going to talk about the individual costs of these or what that looks like for each of these arrangements. It's also, I guess it varies a lot between provider to provider. Some organizations will have different ways of structuring. For example, in Um, retirement villages, some of them, they'll have different fees and percentages that you may be buying up front or you get a certain amount back over time. Some of them are set up to be able to rent. Some of them are set up to be able to buy. There are so many different variations to these agreements that I don't think it's worth assuming anything or going into the details of those because it's so, so, so varied. So I'm going to provide a, a higher level overview in terms of what the care looks like within those units and what supports or pros and cons there can be to them. But I'm not going to go into the independent financial side of it. I hope that makes sense. So there's three that I'm going to unpack today. The first one is kind of a, a, a combo one, but it's independent living units or retirement villages. So I guess when you're thinking retirement villages, you think a cluster of units or houses that are predominantly utilized by seniors. I say predominantly, they are utilized by seniors. There's different ages for when you can enter a retirement village. Some of them sit at 55, uh, some independent living units are from 60, but we're talking roughly that retirement kind of age. Although, what a joke, I don't think I'll be retiring till I'm 75 at this rate. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, So independent living units, essentially you are still living independently in your own home or unit but you have the support of a like-minded community. Now, 
There are also, depending on the setups with these units or retirement villages, there's often some general home and maintenance that is included within that package. They'll generally help assist with the communal living areas and gardens. Uh, They'll often do, you know, an annual maintenance check of your home, help change the fire alarms. They will generally update things like your roof or your curtains or your floorboards or all of those things will also be changed over on a timeline as well. So there's a number of things included in that. And again, it'll vary depending on facility. But I guess the key parts that I wanted to highlight with that is within your independent living unit or within that retirement village, you are able to access home care services. So if you have a home care package or if you're receiving services under the Commonwealth Home Support Program, they can be accessed within that unit or that house. There is also sometimes a benefit. And one thing that I often try look for for clients that are maybe a little older on in their journey, there are some independent living units that are co-located with a residential aged care facility. So what I mean by that is uh, the organization might have a 50 bed facility that they have as a, as a nursing home and on the same site or next door to, they'll have a cluster of independent living units. Now, whilst in those units, you don't receive the nursing care or services that you would under the, the main roof of the nursing home. You do have the benefit of being closely located and managed by the same organization that often gives you a pathway to be able to go from one of their independent living units under their main roof once it's no longer suitable for you to be independent in your own home. And I see this work really well for some people that are maybe on the cusp of not quite needing to be in care yet. They're wanting to still live in their own space and be able to make it their own. But being completely independent in a home in the community is maybe no longer feasible. So this can be a nice little interim for people sometimes to do an independent living unit co-located with a residential aged care facility so that when the time comes that you need to move, there's a really nice smooth pathway for you to transition across. Now, these retirement villages or units, as I said, are are normally in clusters. They're not normally on their own, but there are some that you might have a block of four units that are together versus some retirement villages might have 150 units in it. So there is a really big variation in the size of these villages that I think it's worth kind of finding what works for you. Sometimes people really like quiet time and solitude, so they prefer to be in a smaller unit where maybe they get to know a couple of their neighbours, but they're not too involved in anyone else. Sometimes people like the larger ones because there's more maybe outdoor spaces or communal facilities. They'll often have a maybe a shared gym space or an indoor pool or a functions hall where they'll hold regular functions. There is that kind of community aspect as well. So you can engage with those as much or as little as you want because you're in your own unit in the community, but there is option of having those things there. And I think sometimes, particularly for people that are living on their own, it can be a nice way of having that bit of extra support there. Your neighbor's going to look out for you and they're going to know if it's been a couple of days since you opened your windows. In fact, they'll probably know the morning of if you haven't opened your windows, your blinds, I mean. There's kind of just that that added safety net of being in that community of like-minded people. So this can be a really good option for people that want a little bit more support, but still want that independence of being in their own home. Number two, service departments. Now, I guess this is more or less just a a variation of the other two, but service departments are an apartment that you buy into or you somewhat own or lease from them. 
but they have the opportunity to very easily add on services like meals or cleaning or personal care. And they'll also most commonly have site-based activities as well. So service departments, you can still access those home care services, whether that's um, home care packages or Commonwealth Home Support Program. You can have people come in and provide services, but you are still, in, again, in your own apartment. Now, I guess the thing with the apartment is you probably are a lot uh, in closer living quarters than what you would be in your own unit. The service departments have very easy add-on packages where you can choose to say, okay, now I'm at the point where I want to add in some cleaning or I want to add in some meal deliveries or I want to some of them will have kitchens on site where you can go downstairs and have your meals in a communal living area, but you pay for those meals. But they often have, you know, site-based social activities. So there will still be the opportunity to engage with people that are living in that area as well. One of the other pros of service departments is that they will have a carer or sometimes a nurse on site 24-7. It is normally one across a whole lot of people that would be living there. But it means you have that little bit more safety that if you do have a crisis, there is someone available who's able to attend to you in your home and be there for you if you need. So again, greater security, community of people around you, and ability to easily add in the services. I guess the difference between, say, like a service department and an independent living unit, particularly if you are maybe quite well off financially, you can independently fund any of those extra services as you need it. So you don't need to be waiting for My Age Care to get a home care package and organize those services through the government. They are already available there on site and you can pay for them as you need. And I think sometimes the benefit for that is too, even if say you have a home care package, but you suddenly need an extra level of service that doesn't fit within your home care package funding, there's the option to privately pay for that and they can be quite responsive in providing those services to you. So again, you're within that kind of senior model of care. There's people around you, there's services you can access and you can increase that as you need to as you age. The third option is semi-supported living. And this is, there's a few different things that sit under this category and they can look a little bit different. So I'll try to explain a few different examples for you. So these ones are actually often within a residential aged care facility. So for a second, we need to just park the idea of the care facility being, I guess, what you picture a nursing home to look like. This is kind of a little bit of a different version. Sometimes they are units that are attached to the aged care facility. Sometimes they're actually not attached to the aged care facility, but they come under the funding of residential aged care. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky. But essentially when you have your approvals, so through my aged care, you get approvals for residential respite or residential permanent care, those particular codes and that funding can be utilized to support you in a semi-supported living arrangement. So there are a number of different providers that offer this. I would say they're definitely not as common. They're harder to come across and they're quite highly sought after. So sometimes being on a wait list for something like this can be helpful. But basically, yeah, they they are connected to a residential aged care facility, but you still have your own unit or apartment and you have the option to go under the main roof and have your meals, join in for activities, and you can have nurses, care staff, any of those come and attend to you in your home as well. So I guess the main thing with this is generally you're not accessing your home care package 
or Commonwealth Home Support Program because you are now under the funding of a residential aged care facility. However, there are also some that you can kind of work that around too. But benefits of semi-supported living, I guess it's kind of that step up again. It is It's probably the most involved care you would have without being under the main roof of an aged care facility. They typically consider this for people who have lower care needs. So maybe you are no longer driving and you have someone help you go to the shops or you need some assistance with cleaning the place, but you're pretty independent with showering, dressing, preparing your meals. These semi-supported options can be really helpful for people that are kind of on that in-between. And again, it can provide a beautiful pathway into the residential aged care facility when that care is no longer enough for you. So I've seen these work really well for people that are, yeah, that that lower level of care, they're needing that extra support, but maybe they're on the cusp of needing a bit of extra help. I've seen a number of people in their 90s use these where they are just doing incredibly well physically. They are switched on, they're still preparing their meals, they are pretty connected with the people around them, but they're aware that being fully independent in the community is maybe no longer viable having their own home in the community. However, using something like this with a semi-supported option means that they're able to have very easy access to those care and services when they need them, but still have their own home that they can live in and utilize. So that's a few of those different options. I'm going to sneak in and add a kind of Uh, a dot point to that semi-supported. It's a little sub point maybe, if you will. I think it's worth noting that some residential aged care facilities, so typically they are very much that, I don't want to say hospital-based, but it is very much that you have your room with your bed in it and you have a separate ensuite or there are shared ensuites sometimes, but it is more or less that room is your home. And I guess, again, that's the difference with semi-supported is that you have an actual house. Sometimes they're one, sometimes two bedroom, but there's a separate living area. There's a kitchen. There is space within that unit for you to live in in more of a home. The other option that can be available, but again, fairly rare and a little bit more tricky to come by and can be cost prohibitive because they are often a more expensive option. But some residential aged care facilities will have larger room options, not necessarily two bedroom. I I think there are some with two bedroom out there, but most of them are a single bedroom, but they have a separate lounge area and a kitchenette within the room itself. So this is looking at residential aged care. So you are under the nursing home main roof. You've got all your meals provided. You have care provided in your room, but some of them can have a room with a separate lounge area, a kitchenette and a bathroom. And so again, it can be a little bit more of that continuum to have a little bit more space, a little bit more autonomy. It's it's something that I'm finding more clients are looking towards that kind of option before going into your full-fledged residential aged care. Again, though, can be quite cost prohibitive because it is a much more expensive option, but they do exist out there. So I like to put it all out on the table. So to summarize or wrap that one up, firstly, seek some independent financial advice. Have a look at what that's going to look like for you. Do you need to sell the family home? What are your ongoing payments towards it? What down payment do you need for it? What does that look like? And I should say the places that you're working with or considering the independent organizations will be able to 
provide the the numbers on that. They won't be able to give you advice as to whether it's in your best interest to do that, but they'll be able to say, this is what your down payment would be. This is what your weekly payments would be, whatever that structure looks like. So firstly, seek that independent financial advice. Secondly, have a look at some of those different living arrangements that sit between home and permanent care in a residential facility. Would an independent living unit or a retirement village be suitable for you? Is something like a service department more up your alley where you've got those people around you and nursing staff on site? Is semi-supported living something that might, you know, keep you out of a nursing home, but still have your own space, your ability to cook your meals, have guests anytime, do your own thing before moving into a nursing home? These are all questions that only you can answer (laughs) in your unique situation. I should also say this is something that I help my clients work through quite often is having these conversations about where they're at now and looking realistically if one of these might be helpful in their future to keep them out of a residential aged care facility for longer. And again, I want to highlight, I don't want this to be demonizing residential aged care facilities. They are fantastic and some people cannot wait to get into them because they're ready for that social interaction, the security, the safety, having nurses on call whenever they need. There is absolutely a time and place for that and there are fantastic facilities out there. However, most people want to remain out of them for as long as possible. So this allows us to look at options for maybe what the step between where you currently are and a residential care facility might be. If you would like to have me assist you with advice for your unique situation, please feel free to get in touch. My website is www.navigateagedcare.com.au. I have a little booking form on there where you can just book a 15-minute consultation if you want to have a bit of a chat and see if there's something that I can assist you with. I don't think there's much else to update you on. So I will wrap up there. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to send them through. I will be putting out the next month's newsletter on the 5th of November. If you want to sign up to the newsletter, please come join us. I send it out once a month covering a different topic that then informs what the podcast episodes are going to be as well. You can find the newsletter at www.navigateagecare.com.au forward slash newsletter. You can read the previous ones. You can sign up there. And I think that's all. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day, week, month, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. And I will be back in your ears again soon. Bye. Bye.